The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. The Cigars and Sports Chicago, it's episode 20! We made it to 20 episodes. This is episode 20, otherwise known as the White Sox Suck edition. You are at your best place for cigars and Chicago sports, setting the scene. We are at the place, that's 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove. We're at the Cigars and Sports Studios. We're sitting in the back, we're smoking a cigar, we're sitting on some comfortable couches. You can follow us on Twitter, at Cigars and Sports, and you can get this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. So I'd like to bring in my uh, co-host, Phil Sullivan. Phil, what are, you, uh, what are you smoking tonight? How are you doing? What's, what's going on? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Recovering from... Uh Three days in Vegas, always fun to go, always fun to get home. You know, so with that, smoking a uh, Fuente short story, uh, probably went a little over. If you have an over and under on cigar volume when you go to Vegas, I probably took the over. Uh, so I'm taking a little break here, but uh, had a great trip and, uh, you know, a few nice stories, but it was always always a good time. What was the cigar culture in Las Vegas? You know, I have not made a post-pandemic uh trip to las vegas yet people smoking in the uh you know in the casinos i mean would you did you go to any cigar lounges that- you know because you know, people know i smoke cigars so you know i was getting all these vibes before i left that they, you know, they banned them there you can't smoke pretty much it's open you can smoke indoors you know i'd say about half the gaming tables had little signs that said no cigars no pipes there were small little signs and then you'd go to the table next to it and there was no sign and you could smoke. So I think that was the, they probably gave it to the preference of the dealer. The dealer didn't want it around them. Pretty much it was no problem uh, out at the pool, uh, anywhere else. It, it really wasn't an issue if I wanted to light up a cigar. actually met a friend uh, that moved out there, actually a friend of ours from the place that used to hang out there. And uh, he lives out there. I met him at the Fuente Lounge in Caesars Palace. Uh, very interesting. They have a walk-in humidor that had about, oh, I'd say about six boxes of cigars in the entire walk-in humidor at the Fuente Lounge in Las Vegas. I asked the uh, guy that escorted us in there to get the cigars, and he said, well, you know there's a cigar shortage in the country. So we, I purchased a few cigars there that were probably $20 a stick more than you pay here, which is... Uh, maybe a little more pressure than I even thought for Vegas. And then when I was done, I wandered over to the Monte Cristo Lounge that is also in Caesars Palace. And I happened to notice that they had a fully stocked walk-in humidor. So I thought that was interesting, uh, what I saw at the Fuente Lounge at Caesars Palace in Vegas. So they were evidently lying about the cigar shortage because I'm, you know, I mean, obviously we've found it a little bit difficult here and there getting things. But I think to say that you have six boxes in an entire humidor at a major place in Las Vegas would be a lie. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting, our, our selection and volume at the place at 5236 Main in Downers Grove was much greater than uh, what the Fuente Lounge in Las Vegas had. So I felt pretty good about our business there at Downers Grove. Although they do have a better 
casino. So I guess they have, you know, they got that going for them. So I'm smoking a San Cristobal uh, Elegancia. You know, tonight, by the way, we're going to talk about the horrible Chicago White Sox. We will talk about the, I don't know what to call them, disappointing Chicago Bulls. And we will also talk about, we'll get a little Bears drafty, as right now, I would say the Bears are probably a zero to two win team. We'll see if uh, any improvement is made in that on Thursday night. I doubt it. I'm not very optimistic. We'll talk to that in a minute. So our beloved Chicago White Sox, of course, they were supposed to win the World Series. They have lost seven in a row. By the way, primarily to bad teams. Aloy is now out for six to eight weeks, and I got to tell you, he had hamstring surgery today, and I just have a feeling that that's going to be longer than six to eight weeks. You know, Luis Robert, he's still out tonight. Um, You know, Josh Harrison, he's out. Um, By the way, Liam Hendricks, he evidently is not pitching tonight because he still has a tweaked back from that bizarre situation the other day. Doesn't really matter because he's basically sucked anyway. And yeah, by the way, we would have been better off if we would have kept Kimbrell and uh, traded Hendricks and released uh, A.J. Pollock. But I guess, you know, that's water under the bridge. And hopefully Hendricks will get it on track, but it's not looking very good. You know, we have the great Dallas Keuchel, who has continued his amazement being the worst pitcher in baseball from last year and continues to do it this year, although he's gotten through three innings tonight. Um, I believe three. I'm only looking out in the corner of my eye, giving up a, a bunch of base runners, but no runs yet against the mighty Kansas City Royals. And, you know, I could just keep going on with, with all of this stuff, but the White Sox are playing terrible. They're injured. Their starting pitching has not been good. They're not hitting. And I am pretty worried about it. What are your thoughts there? I haven't even uh, mentioned a couple uh, of the worst things. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll bring up a few of them. Yeah, it's shocking. Every team can get up bad, but I mean, they're, uh, yeah, I was looking at some of the stuff, you know, you can start with hitting, you know, they say hitting's contagious. Well, you know, so's a slump, you know, and the Sox got it. I mean, you've got Abreu at a two sixteen average, Robert, at 205. Grandal, I think, is a whopping 136. Our, our great trade for Josh Harrison, I think he's batting 107. But the best of the best is Lori Garcia. This is a guy whose batting average is, I think, .098 or .097. He was a guy that our manager thought needed to be higher up in the lineup. And uh, the other day, I think he played two games where he, I think he batted second and third in two of those games. So That's correct. And, you know, you mentioned, I mean, it's just uh, horrendous. Uh, I mean, they're averaging Two runs a game, that doesn't do you a whole lot in the MLB. I think they're last in runs. They're last in on-base percentage. Uh, they've only had 33 walks, which puts them almost last in the MLB in walks. So, I mean, that that takes care of their hitting. Hard to win baseball game without our hitting. Then you go to other things. Their defense, uh, they've committed, I think, 19, 18, 19 errors. Uh, Anderson's got six of them, which is – but that I think uh, they're playing Kansas City tonight. I think Kansas City is a oh, team. Error alert! Right there, error alert, Tim Anderson threw what was not a great throw to first. Abreu basically missed it like he was a third grader. Error, runner reaches base. Um, but still, uh, Dallas Keuchel is throwing a uh, no-hitter in the in the fourth. But just as you were talking about the errors, Abreu makes an error. This team is so bad defensively. It's pathetic. Kansas, I think Kansas City that they're playing, I think as a team, has half as many errors as Anderson. And, you know, and then you get our manager sticks, 
You know, I think we had a game the other night. You had Vaughn and Sheets at the corners. Really? You're having some bad defensive games, and you put those two guys at the corner of your infield. So I don't know what LaRusse is doing. I mean, he's you – know, I don't know if he's starting to enter Joe Biden territory when it comes with his brain or what with his age. I, I don't know what the guy's doing, but he's making some bad decisions early in the season. What do you think, Steve? I think that he's probably worse than Joe Biden because think about this. The other day, that Byron Buxton situation, you know, the White Sox are up by a run in the bottom of the 10th, two guys on, and then on, of course, a pass ball, the runners advance to second and third. So he's got basically the hottest hitter in baseball, you know, at the plate with first base open, meaning the run meant nothing, okay? You simply take the guy and put him on first base and then take your chances with Arias, who is coming up next, who also, yes, is a good hitter. But why in God's name are you pitching to Byron Buxton with first base open? And you know why? He made some excuse after the game, but we know the reason is. The reason is, is because he's not paying attention and no, and everyone in the dugout fears him and would not say a word to him. Of course you should have put him on first base. And by the way, the general manager I'm pissed off at right now even admitted today how disappointed that he was in that particular decision. And that Lurie Garcia thing, yeah. So basically what he's saying is, is that I want Lurie Garcia to have another at-bat, an extra at-bat. The guy who's hitting, you know, 069, can't catch, can't throw, can't hit, can't run, you know, can't basically do anything. But here's what pisses me off, I think, more than anything else. What pisses me off more than anything else is you think back to the end of last year when we went out with a thud against Houston in the first round, and what did we say that we needed? We said we needed more starting pitching. We went net negative. Tim Anderson just actually successfully threw the ball to first base right now. That We went net negative with pitching. Lost Rodon. Yeah, moved Kopech into the starting rotation, and Kopech has been great. You can't say anything bad about that. I get it. The only other guy they pick up is, you know, Vince Velasquez. You know, they picked up some bullpen pieces fine. We knew the defense was horrendous, And what do you know? Now here we are the following year, and the defense is once again horrendous. And we're once again, you know, not scoring runs. We're supposed to say that it was a great trade because he traded Kimbrell for A.J. Pollock. Pollock, you know, since he's come back from injury, is not hitting at all. I mean, this thing is a disaster. And think about this. Here's the ultimate injury thing. I don't know if you thought about this. The starting opening day outfield, which is – Aloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, and A.J. Pollock. Think about this. All three of them are either are or were out as a result of running to first base. Aloy rips the hamstring, and you know Pollock had a hamstring injury, and now Robert is out with a groin. I mean, your entire starting outfield is out due to running to first base? That's real! I, we talked about this on a previous podcast. Uh, it's getting ridiculous. And when do you start looking at, are these players being trained correctly? You know, when do you start, you know, if you had, you know, a lot of times coaches, you know, they, they got to take the fall for things they do wrong. You know, if you got an offensive line coach and the team's holding them, jumping off sides all season long, you're probably going to get a new offensive line coach. You know, you go here to the White Sox in particular, 
they've got a couple years now of players getting injuries that, by God, I never certainly never saw 20, 30 years ago. Never saw players get hurt like this running the first base. Never saw torn pectoral muscles. Saw all that. I'd start looking at this trainer. I don't know who's the trainer, you know, what he's doing or what he's got these White Sox players doing. But, my God, there's a whole lot of muscle and uh, tendon and type of errors. You know, I get it. Ball players used to run into each other and get a broken shoulder or twist an ankle or something. But these injuries these White Sox are having, I've never seen them in this kind of volume and this kind of uh, weird injuries that they're having. Like you said, running to first base, my God. We knew what the problems were in the offseason. The problems were not addressed. Oh, what do you know? Berger just made an error. Run scores. There you go. <laughs> we knew what Another the problems one. were. Oh, by the way, I haven't even mentioned that Mancata has got the, um, what I'm going to refer to as the Tariq Cohen injury, meaning he's injured, but we're not allowed to know anything about what's going on with him or when or if he's ever coming back. We're actually supposed to pretend that he does not exist. When he's going to play again, I have no idea. But I do know that the White Sox, who have lost seven in a row, now have runners in second and third, and they are down one to nothing. And the stopper, Dallas Keuchel, is on the hill. So it's just, it's not going well. 23rd in hitting, 26th in runs, 25th in OPS. As Ozzy once said, we stinks. Hey, by the way, I thought it was interesting. I want to ask you a question, see if you ever saw this before. So Saturday, I'm at the sportsbook. And I took a look. I thought it kind of jumped out at me that the Chicago Cubs game had a 15 over and under for that game for runs, which I thought was unusually high for a baseball game. So not only was it unusual, but what are, as we say in Vegas, the odds that not only would they make the over, but only one team scored the runs. I thought that I would love to have known how that went down, but it was, uh, I thought it was pretty interesting when I saw it. That's amazing. And then the next day I got up and I see that the Cubs won 21 and nothing. I thought it was amazing that uh, if you could have, nobody would have predicted that one. And appropriate Las Vegas, they scored 21. And the, the amazing thing is about that series. So they beat the minor league Pittsburgh Pirates 21 to nothing, but interestingly managed to lose three or four games in the series. That was the only game they won, which I thought was. And another interesting stat, I believe there was only one home run hit. So score 21 runs with one home run. Some unusual stats there. Yeah, that is uh, that is crazy. Two nothing Royals. And what was your other baseball nugget? No, that was it. I, I got another gambling nugget, but we can do that when we talk about the Bulls. All right, so the Bulls are down 3-1 to one to Milwaukee. You know, we look back at this season. They haven't made the playoffs in six years. They made the playoffs. I guess that's good. But I'll tell you, I think, to me, the short version on the Bulls is that we have learned what a good team looks like because the Milwaukee Bucks are one hell of a team. I mean, you look at that team, at Giannis and Middleton and Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, Grayson Allen. Like, I mean, that team has a stifling defense. Their perimeter shooting, their three-point shooting is fantastic. You know, we keep having to talk about injuries. Well, hey, the second best player on the Milwaukee Bucks is Chris Middleton, and he's out, and they just blew out the Bulls on the road um, over these last two games on the weekend. The Bulls 
simply cannot shoot at all. I mean, they shot a thirty. They shot thirty-one percent in that first home game, which was absolutely insane. You know, Caruso, who you know he's an easy guy to like, but I'm starting to get very annoyed about him putting his body on the line on every single play. Now he's out. You know, in concussion protocol. We learned that uh, Levine is on the COVID list now as of today, which, by the way, would be the third time that he's had COVID, which is unbelievable. You know, we got to watch Vooch standing there missing 27 threes every game. This team needs some help. And, uh, you know, the, I, I think we learned in the second half of the year and in this, in this postseason series that – and also – just looking at their performance against good teams this year, this team needs some serious help. Like this team, it's just not, it's just not going well. No, it's, it's, uh, I, I think uh, if you've watched the last two games, this uh, fifth game, I think Milwaukee is uh, going to say to themselves, we're going to get this over and done with so we can get a few days rest before the next series. But, uh, you know, interesting. Uh, I note, I noted because I happened to be, you know, knew I was going to Vegas, wanted to watch some of the lines and some of the games a little more than I usually do. And I thought it was very interesting. You know, in the first game of the series, the Bulls went off at plus 12. And the second game, they went off at plus 10 and went on and won that game. So Vegas adjusted it. And in the third game, the Bulls went off at plus two and proceeded to lose by 30. And I thought it was really interesting for the fourth game. Vegas did not adjust at all because the Bulls went off at 2.5 or not much. And I thought that was a no-brainer bet uh, after they just got done losing by 30. And uh, I had no problem, uh, you know, putting some money on the Bucks. And uh, they didn't disappoint. They beat them by 29. You know, I also won a first half over and under. They had the over at like 110 or something like that. For the first half, but I, I don't know how they adjusted from the second to the third game because the Bulls won, brought that line way down, and then the Bulls get smoked by 30, and they still kept the line down. And if you notice today, it's back to 12. So uh, I think the Bulls are going to lose by 25 or more again. Those two games over the weekend, they shot 39% in the first loss, 38% in the second loss. We already mentioned that in the game, the game they lost to Milwaukee, they shot like 30% lowest shooting percentage in, uh, you know, of any uh, playoff team ever in that most recent loss. They did not have an offensive rebound or shoot a foul shot in the first half. I mean, think about that. Like, how do you not shoot a foul shot in the first half? And I'll tell you, man, if we were waiting for DeMar DeRozan to save us in the playoffs, you know, he had a great game that one game that they won. But other than that, he has not been great. You know, Zach Levine has just been disappointing. Really, nobody has stepped up for, you know, whatever reason. I mean, you got to play better in the playoffs. And so many guys have just not played up to par. I know that Io hasn't had as many minutes as he had during the regular season. It hasn't made much with them. And, you know, it's just really disappointing. And it'll be interesting to see what the Bulls do in the offseason because Karnaschovitz, the uh, the Bulls president, has definitely shown that he is not going to stand pat, meaning that he will go out and make moves. And it's going to be interesting to see what he does with this Zach Levine contract. I think you're going to have to sign him. You know, you got to get his knee looked at first, but you're probably going to have to sign him because you can't let him walk. He's not a max player. I mean, who are we kidding? But 
they're gonna, they can't just let him walk and he's not going to sign here for anything less than a max deal because somebody else will give him the sort of non-home team max deal. But I don't know what this team is going to do in the offseason, but hopefully something. Uh, it's it's not just something. It's got to be a lot. Uh, this team needs, uh, you know, when everybody in the beginning of the season was, you know, had the Bulls win in the Eastern Conference, I, my eye test saw a decent team, but I, I didn't see a team going there. And, uh, of course, the injuries certainly didn't help, as we always talk about them. But uh, there's some talent issues there that definitely got to get adjusted. And as uh, well, like you said, this guy's going to we're going to test his metal to see uh, what kind of GM he really is in this offseason. So can we talk about the NFL draft? Be sure. Before we talk about the NFL draft, we have to talk, though, about Byron Pringle. So. I was wondering why they signed this guy only to a one-year deal, because if you've actually seen the guy play, he actually looks like he can play. And if he got more balls thrown to him, he certainly looks like a decent NFL wide receiver, 28 years old. Byron Pringle commits four crimes in the same offense. So he's driving his Dodge Challenger, doing donuts on a suspended license with a seven-year-old child in the car getting a reckless driving. Oh, and to make it, uh, and then to top it all off, he also resisted arrest or was somehow contesting his arrest with the police. So I feel really good about his judgment, committing four crimes. I wonder, like, what happens when you get arrested with your kid? Do they put the kid in the back of the car with you? Like, how does that... How does that even work? Does he get to go in the cell? Do they have like a, like a daycare at the police station for him? Like, wh- this is our guy. This is, think about this. This was our premier off-season signing. This guy. There's our uh, McCaskies for you. From a football standpoint, I actually like this guy. I figured like, hey, you know, you signed him to a one-year deal. If he looks good, you give me and sign him to an extension during the season or whatever. But And by the way, Ryan Pohl spoke today. And he's got a relationship with him in Kansas City, so he, they're clearly not going to cut him. I mean, I thought maybe they would cut him. You know, you know, the the NFL is probably going to suspend him for two games. Um, you know, something like that. I mean, I guess we'll find out. But what an idiot! All right, so the draft, the Bears have six picks. They got two seconds, a third, two fifths, and a sixth. Their first pick is at number thirty nine, um, and then their second pick, which is also a second, as I mentioned, is pick forty eight. So I guess I would ask you, it's hard to target guys once you get into the second round, but what would you like to see the Bears do with those two second-round picks, at least by position? You know, I'd like to see them start out. Uh, with the, you know, they need help in a lot of places. So, I mean, it's kind of throwing darts to the dartboard. I'd like to see them start out with some defense. I'd like to see a cornerback safety, um, you know, get started there. Uh, but, you know, who knows what the Bears are going to do. I, Why would you like I mean, to see them start with defense? They have no offense. Well, I, yeah, I get that, but they're not going to build an offense in a draft. Not when you're picking that low, which – Of course they're – this is the deepest, get, you know, this is the deepest no. draft for offensive linemen and wide receivers, man. Well, you're right. You're right. It's a very – it's a very, uh, it's a very uh, s- uh, small draft for quarterbacks, that's for sure. I don't think I've ever seen a draft where – you know, you may only see one quarterback taken in the first round. So it's, but one thing I noticed as I was looking at things and, you know, the bears and the bears fans always talk 
about keeping an eye on Green Bay. And are they going to have Aaron Rodgers back? And it's always about we got to you know go against Green Bay. I don't know if you noticed, but the Detroit Lions got three picks in the first thirty-one or two picks. Uh, you know, watch out for Detroit. See what they do, and uh, and then once again, see what the Bears do with their picks. Uh, you know, all of them after Detroit, but you know, see what Detroit does with these three picks. I'm not saying three draft picks are going to change your season in one year, but uh, or, or or change how your team's going to play, but. Detroit could put together three good picks, and that could be the next team the Bears got to look at, you know, instead of the Packers. I don't care if you gave the the Detroit every pick in the first round; they're not going to be good. Plus, they also have no quarterback, so I'm not worried about that. Well, I, you know what? There's a there's a good quarterback available, and a lot of people didn't hear hear about this guy because of where he played. But this uh, Malik Willis, uh, he went to Liberty. Uh, this guy threw more touchdowns in the last two years than anybody in on an FBS team. He's got a rocket for an arm. I like the way the kid plays, and there's a very good chance Detroit's got the number two pick. They very well might get him. No way, and, uh, no way. They they're they're not they're not going to spend the number two pick on that guy. That guy won't even get drafted in the first round. That guy will probably get drafted in the third round. I mean, I'm not even saying that he's. Be- I mean, Liberty? Are you kidding me? Like, I mean, he's playing against like Florida A and M's band or something. I mean, like, no way. Yes, I understand the guy's hype, but here's the thing. I want to. I will be very disappointed if the Bears. Well, who's the other quarter? There's no other quarter. Well, Desmond Ryder, he could be, you know, uh, that kid out of Cincy, uh, you know. But there's no other quarterbacks. But it, but related to the Bears, I will be very disappointed if they don't either pick, you know. And I'm not even worried about best player available at this point. If they don't pick the the if they don't pick two wide receivers or a receiver and you know an offensive lineman. With those two picks, I'm going to be disgusted. I mean, the way that I look at the priorities on this team, it's probably wide receiver first, offensive line second, certainly anything, cornerback or safety third, and then, you know, probably defensive line. They, you know, they're going to need to, because of the scheme change, they're probably going to need some defensive linemen. But that's pretty much it as far as, you know, I'm concerned. They I'll, I'll tell desperately you, I'll bet need you. wide receivers. I'll bet you a cigar the Bears take a defensive person first, their first pick. Why would you even say that? Because they're the Bears. I, I, just because of the Bears. I agree with who they need to get. I agree with you there. But because of the Bears, I'll put a cigar in it. You're on. Well, that's fine. That's not going to happen. I mean, I, I would guess that those first two picks are going mean, to – in fact, I'll even – I'll up it. We, why don't we bet two cigars – um, that they will not pick a defensive guy with either one of those first two picks, 39 or 48. No no problem. Game on. Not happening. Phil, what else do you have? That's about it. It's, uh, like I said, I had a long weekend, so my brain is just getting back to normal here. But, uh, no, it was great. I'm glad we caught up here. We we uh, took a week off last week because uh, I think you had some business obligations. And uh, good to catch up. Good to be back at Cigars and Sports. Chicago, and uh, let's get some nice weather here, and uh, maybe we could do a show for outdoors or something one of these days. But uh, looking forward to summer creeping its way into Chicago. One of these days, yes. We'll see. Um, maybe the White Sox will score a run by the time the weather changes because it's not going too well now. Um, bottom of the fourth, they're down 2 nothing. We stinks. Uh, that's it for Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode twenty. Thank you, Phil. Good job. Thank you, uh, Producer Bear. It's been fun. We'll talk to you guys all in the near future. 
Sugar Magnolia, Blossoms Blooming, That's all empty and I don't care. So my baby down by the river, who should have to come up soon for there? Sweet Blossom, come on, under the willow, we can have high times if you look back. Nature, rolling in the brushes down by the riverside. 